Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. Yes, that could mean you too. The workouts have been designed to fit into your life so you can move when you can. The 15 minutes you can squeeze in before work. The 20 minutes you get to yourself while the baby naps. The half hour you can spare at lunch. There's a routine for you no matter what your day looks like. A reminder as well, this is included in your Mum Mia subscription. If you are a Mum Mia subscriber, you already have access to Move. Download the Move app and log in with your Mum Mia login. Head to move.mamamia.com.au and use code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. From Mamma Mia, hi, I'm Claire Murphy. Welcome to The Quickie, getting you up to speed daily. Getting to an Olympics is hard. Managing to hold on for another year while the Olympics is postponed is harder. Going to the Olympics while it's under a COVID cloud, even tougher still. So how does an athlete prepare for their moment in the big leagues? And how do they do that while navigating a pandemic and copying backlash over their vaccinations and travel exemptions? Today, we look at the psychology of sport and how the Tokyo Games might be the toughest yet on our athletes mentally rather than physically. The Tokyo 2020 Olympic Games is hanging by a thread. The head of Tokyo's organising committee has not ruled out a last-minute cancellation of the Games. With the city declared under its fourth state of emergency due to COVID-19 infection numbers and every day new reports of athletes and their entourage testing positive or being a close contact of someone who is, there's a real fear that these Games will be the toughest on the mental health of our team than ever before. The Tokyo 2020 Games are being called the Pandemic Games, and there's real concern about the impact they may have on the athletes competing. They will have very little opportunity to blow off any steam that builds up with the pressure of this competition. They'll be interacting with very few people, and they won't be able to get out and about and visit anywhere around Tokyo. The athletes' village won't be the bustling hub it once was, nor will it be party central once events have been run and won. There are talks alcohol has been banned and the dining hall set up with hundreds of perspex screens to separate them. Athletes encouraged to get in and out as quickly as possible. None of the athletes' friends or family will be in the stands to watch them compete. In fact, the stands will be near empty. So how much of an impact will that have on our athletes? We've already seen one of our Aussie team, basketballer Liz Cambage, pull out of the event saying the isolation of the Olympic bubble was too much to handle. Aussie basketball legend, four-time Olympian Lauren Jackson knows exactly what it's like to get ready for the biggest sporting event in the world. She says some of the highlights of her previous Olympic Games might be missed by athletes this time around. It's an unbelievable situation to be in, you know, it's like being in another world. You're constantly just around, you know, the very best athletes in the whole entire world, you know, and, and you're in this little bubble and just competing and... I mean, the pressure is extraordinary in the sense that, you know, when you put the green and gold on, you're going out there to represent your country and particularly for women's basketball, that was the only time we really got seen by the Australian public and Australia got behind us so much. So I think that feeling of pride, you know, when you put on the uniform, it's something that I guess drives you and motivates you, but 
it also, like I said, it just comes with great responsibility as well. Like you're representing your country and the people at home and yeah, it's, it's amazing. Have you thought about how you would feel if you went into these particular games with all the restrictions and no crowds and not being able to have friends or family there? How do you think you would have felt going into the Tokyo Games? I've always been a little bit of an introvert. So I think for me personally, I think I would be okay, you know, in saying that too, there was one Olympics when I really was struggling with my mental health and I really needed my parents, you know, I needed to be able to go and see them after games and just sit with them and talk through stuff. And if I needed to cry, you know, they were there for me. You know, I think athletes are going to be different. They're all individual, unique personalities and they need different things. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see how they cope. You've already said that you're an introvert, so you might not have any insight on this. But when we hear from athletes like Liz Cambage, who says being in that bubble in the Olympics was just a bit too much to handle, can you see where she's coming from? I am an empathetic person. So, you know, I would try and put myself in her situation. And absolutely, I think everybody has a right to the way that they feel, their own emotions, their own mental health, and, and trying to understand and work through that. And everybody is different. You know, and I think that's probably the main thing to come out of this is that people respond differently to different circumstances. And for me personally, it probably wouldn't have been that, but I support Liz in looking after herself and putting herself first. How do you drown out all the other stuff? So for this Olympic team, for example, they've, you know, had got COVID restrictions, they've been slammed for jumping the queue for getting their vaccines, they've had questions about whether they should have left the country at all. How do you drown that out and just focus on what you've got to do? Well, I think, you know, a lot of it is probably trying to stay off social media a bit. I think there's definitely no harm in doing that, especially during such a tense time. But I would say too, relying on your teammates and the support staff that they have over there, you know, all of the athletes have great people around them and highly qualified people around them to help them deal with situations that might be hard for them. And then, of course, you've got your teammates you know, everyone over there is in the same boat. They're in the same situation. And I think just being open to communicating and talking and, and also being vulnerable, being able to let your teammates put their arm around you and, you know, help you through. So that's how it helped me. So how do athletes prepare for something like the Tokyo Games? Mary Spillane is the mental health lead at the Australian Institute of Sport. She's also a senior clinical psychologist and the wellbeing case manager for the senior men's and women's Victorian cricket teams and a consultant for Tennis Australia. Mary, our athletes are heading into a games like no other. How are they able to deal with all the extra pressures on them this time and still go out and perform at their best? It's not just the Olympics itself, it's sort of been the lead up to the Olympics. You know, they've had incredibly interrupted training and competition schedules. The Olympics were going ahead, they were postponed. So there was difficulties with motivation and and getting up and going again. And then once they get there, there's, I guess, a bit of a concern about what to expect. So there's going to be the lack of, you know, normal social supports and networks. There's not really going to be crowds. You know, they can clap, but they can't cheer. I think the dining hall and those sort of communal areas will be a lot different. So I think it's just going to have a very different feel to it. And the good thing is that, that we know athletes are quite resilient. And so hopefully they'll get over there and they'll adapt. But I think it will be a very unique experience for them. What about with the added extras of 
Say, for example, they got targeted because they were accused of jumping the queue for vaccines. There's pressure on them not to leave the country during a pandemic when there are so many other Aussies trying to get back home. How has all that played into the mental state that they would be taking into these games? What I think we've noticed with athletes in the last three to four weeks, perhaps even longer, is just this sort of singular focus now on what they need to do. So we've got a referral network that supports athletes' wellbeing and mental health, and that's just that the referrals to that have been astronomical in the last six months, but we've noticed in the last three to four weeks that it's really dropped off, and we think a big part of that is just their ability to sort of compartmentalise what's going on around them go in and do what they need to do and then perhaps come out and consider all of that stuff then. But I do think that they have this, you know, incredible ability to just stop and focus on what they need to do and what they can control, which at the moment is their performance going into Tokyo. And Olympics is a pretty heightened emotional moment in an athlete's life, I imagine. How do you keep that in check? Is it just having that singular focus? Is that all that's required to keep all those swirling emotions under control? I think that's what's important now. But in the in the lead up to, so the last sort of three to four years, athletes have been preparing for this moment and they would have utilised a big team of people to do that. So there's physios, SNCs, dietitians, there's sports psychologists, there's wellbeing managers. So all of these people are helping athletes get to this point where they feel like they're ready and they can just focus on what they need to do at the Olympics. Who helps the helpers, Mary? There's a big team of people that go that aren't athletes. Who helps them out? They're obviously going through pretty difficult times as everyone else is. Who makes sure that they're mentally okay? Yeah, well, it's not just the athletes going to Tokyo. There's a a huge contingent of staff that are going as well and a huge contingent that have been supporting back here in Australia. And what we know is that in order to have a healthy and high-performing athlete, we actually need to have a healthy and high-performing system as well. So the AIS in particular put a lot of resource and work into making sure that's the case. So coaches in particular, but also staff, can actually get free mental health and wellbeing support via our network. So they've got access to a national network of psychiatry, psychology, disordered eating specialists, dietitians, and then we roll out a lot of education for them as well just to ensure that, as I said, we've got a healthy system that's supporting our athletes and getting them to their peak performance. There's been a bit of discussion around in the last couple of days from authorities in Japan who say, look, we can still pull the plug on this anytime we like. What mental health impact would that have on our athletes if the games were to be cancelled before they even kick off or even partway through? It's pretty scary when you think about it. All that preparation, you head over there, you do everything that's required and then the pin is pulled. It's quite a daunting prospect and something that I've heard certainly in the referrals that we've had is athletes are just going in with this focus that the Olympics are going ahead, my event's going ahead and I won't consider anything else until it happens. So I think that's helpful in terms of blocking out that outside noise like you were talking about earlier. But certainly if the pin is pulled, then we would be dedicating all our resource to ensuring that athletes, coaches and staff are fully supported because that would be huge if they pulled the pin at this point. What about when they get home? This has been quite a unique experience, unlike any other. They've obviously been through quite an effort, I mean, an extra year of training, all the things that they've had to do to make sure that they're COVID required. What about when they get home when this is all over? 
Well, interestingly, I guess from a historical point of view, we know that when people return from an Olympic Games, so athletes, coaches, staff, that there's this thing called the post-Olympic blues where there is a flattened mood and energy and motivation. So we would expect to see that occur again, but then probably with a bit of extra emotion around it just because of the hype and the build-up has just been so big. So I think we will see people struggle in a way they have prior. But then you've also got the complexities around having to do hotel quarantine on the way back. And, you know, if you've gone to Tokyo and perhaps you haven't performed as well as you would have liked, you then got to sit in a hotel room on your own for two weeks. So that could present some complexity. And likewise, you could have athletes who perform really well and they've got to do the same thing too and and how do you manage that. So I think there'll definitely be an adjustment and then a transition period post-Olympics and perhaps a, a heightened focus on that from our point of view just because of the complexities around the Tokyo Games. What about for those athletes who this is their last Olympic Games? Would it feel a bit like a letdown that this is going to be their final Olympic experience, considering some of them have been to other games and it's been such a different experience? Yeah, it's been really interesting to hear the different perspectives about this Olympics. So there were some people who weren't going to qualify or weren't going to make the last Olympics in 2020, the original time, because of injury. And now because it's been delayed, they've been able to qualify and go. And then likewise, you've got athletes who are going into the village for the first time and and have this sort of odd experience. And then you've got athletes who are going in perhaps for the final time um, and and what that would be like. So I think there'll be a range of responses uh, and reactions to, to this you know, particular experience and the fact that it is going to be like no other. But then, you know, we also hear people say that it is like no other, that's unique and and I'm going and I was there and I experienced it. So there are different, I guess, approaches and different perspectives that people are taking, but I'm sure that some would be disappointed and that's reasonable as well, I think. What about those who are considered even more at risk as we head into the pandemic games, the Paralympic team? Already deafblind swimmer from the US team Becky Myers, a six-time Paralympic medalist, has had to withdraw from these games because she was told she wasn't able to bring her personal care assistant, her mother, with her. The decision due to COVID restrictions imposed by the Japanese government. The other issue facing the Paralympic team is that they will arrive in Tokyo four weeks after 79,000 people jetted in from all over the world for the Olympics, leaving them with a much higher risk of catching the virus than those who went before them. Our athletes have been told they aren't allowed to come home if they contract COVID-19 while in Tokyo until they return negative tests. This has left some Paralympic athletes concerned about quarantine arrangements, including over 70 who use a wheelchair. Not to mention the impact catching COVID might have on someone who has an existing medical condition, or the fact that due to some of those conditions, getting to this point has been a far longer than five-year journey. For some, it may be the only chance their body will allow for. Daniela de Toro is a para-table tennis player and the co-captain of the Australian Paralympic team headed to her seventh Paralympics in Tokyo. She's also the Athlete Wellbeing and Engagement Manager for Paralympics Australia. She says despite all the dramas right now, the Paralympic team are desperate to get going. 
I feel like this team have worked so hard. You know, this is an extended Paralympic lead up, that extra five years. It was really difficult for so many and so many had to make some really tough decisions early on. But certainly in the last six months, everyone's just ready to go. You know, people are putting final touches on their preparation. Everyone's pretty excited. We're pretty mindful of the situation we're going into. Paralympics Australia have been really clear around some of the risks and definitely are communicating a lot of the support and the services to try and, you know, make sure that we're safe and be able to get to every kind of event as possible and get home all in one piece. So right now people are just ready to go and excited and just want to get there and, you know, want to be able to really get on a plane and (laughs) give themselves the chance that they've been working towards for so long. You've mentioned that some people had to make some pretty difficult decisions during this process. Are there people who've had to say, no, they can't do this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, most Paralympians, and I'd imagine this is probably quite similar for the Olympic athletes as well, is we work in four-year blocks and most of us have (laughs) quite a bit planned within that four, eight, 12 kind of period. So we had a lot of athletes who were looking to retire post-Tokyo. That extra fifth year was just not something they could do. So there were a few athletes that kind of had to pull a pin on their careers before being able to kind of finish it at games, which is so tough. And you know, heartfelt thoughts for those guys. And we've put a lot of support and created a lot of opportunities for those athletes wanting to work through that type of transition phase. That was definitely a tough one. And I think just overall, it's a pretty risky environment. I think people just have needed to make some decisions around whether that's a risk they're prepared to take. Most have. And definitely kind of understanding all of the measures we're putting around to try and create a safe environment as possible, I guess, has helped. But at the end of the day, you know, everyone's just got to make the right decision for themselves and their loved ones and the people they're around. So for the most part, I think the tougher decisions were early on. And also, you know, we haven't had a chance to travel. So there's so many athletes that were were unable to qualify just because they actually just couldn't get to the event. So while so many events were happening around the world, Australian athletes were by and large limited for how well they could travel. So that became a really difficult conversation for people, knowing that they were kind of almost pulling up short and having to make that decision around that last final push. And yeah, it's definitely posed a lot of challenges, but this is a team that knows how to adapt. And we all understand that sport is pretty brutal and it's awesome when you're riding a great wave, but that is a really temporary place. So it's just about making sure that we know where people are at and that if they ever need any type of support, that they know where to go. And I feel like we've been able to do that. If there is a big COVID outbreak during this event, Is there going to be people who reassess flying in after all of those people have been there and it's potentially a super spreader event? We're really mindful that all things are possible. (laughs) You know, like it was a couple of weeks ago that certainly here in Melbourne we weren't in lockdown. So we know that this is a really changeable environment and those are all possible things. Numbers get crazy and people kind of see that and reassess whether they're prepared to get on that plane with us. And we've talked about that from the get-go. That's been something that we're always talking to people about is that you have the option of making that choice and you've got to make the right choice for you. And if that's at the last minute you choose not to get on that plane, then that's okay. So that's supported by everyone. It's not a great position to be in, but um, we're really mindful that anything can change at any moment. These games are going to be tough on our athletes for so many reasons. Lauren says support from back home might just be the thing that gets them through. 
Oh, look, I think Australia is excited. I mean, look, it's been a really rough 12 to 18 months longer, you know, with the fires and then COVID. It's been a really rough period of time for everybody in the world. So I think that the Olympics is definitely a bit of a light and Australians love sport and I do anticipate that Australia will get behind the Olympic team for sure. There's no doubt in my mind. You know, it happens after every Olympics. Australia really wraps their arms around their athletes and supports them and it's a really special time. That's the cookie for today. This episode was produced by myself, Claire Murphy, our executive producer, Siobhan Moran-McFarlane, with audio production by Ian Camilleri. And if there's a new story you'd like us to look at in a little more depth for you, it's really easy to get a message through to us. Shoot us an email, thequickie at mamamia.com.au, or you can find us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures.